As you already heard, we are looking today at Ephesians 6, looking at the armor of God passage. My voice is a little scratchy today because I spent the last two days cheering loud for our men's soccer team. Yeah, final four for our men's soccer team. Yes. Yes. Uh, they went to the uh, Nationals in San Antonio, Texas, which I anticipated would be a warm weekend. Was not. Was freezing, freezing cold. Um, absolutely cold. It actually got off the plane here and thought, oh, this feels a little warmer. Um, so anyway, the yelling and the cold and all have left me with a little scratchy throat, but we're just going to power on. We're just going to do it. So Ephesians 6, verse 10, this is what Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of God. Now, at first read, it seems like Paul's taking a bit of a turn here in Ephesians. You know, the whole letter, we, we talked about how God's chosen us to be in his family. He's given us new identity. He's broken down the dividing walls and microphones that keep us um, from connecting well with each other. He's broken these things down, God has. He's created us in his image. He's formed us to be his workmanship, to do all the things that he's prepared for us to do. We talked about all of these good things that make us live as children of light, Wake up. You remember that? Wake up. You're a child of light now. And then it was like, so this is what this looks like. It means you put off the old things and you put on the new things. You put off the sin and you put on righteousness. This is what you do in Christ. And last time, Nate talked about how that's expressed in our most intimate relationships. Husbands and wives and parents and children, slaves and masters. All of this, living out the identity as chosen children of God. That's been the whole book. How do you live out your identity as chosen children of God, as children of light, loving each other? And then he says this, we are at war. Like, what? I was living as a child of the light. What, what are you talking about? It's this big turn. It's like this violent, militaristic turn. Father, be strong in the Lord. Put on the armor of God. You're thinking, what is he talking about? And those of us who, you know, who read this, we think, really? I mean, like, really? We have to put on armor of God? I mean, really? There's like spiritual warfare out there? What is Paul talking about? And especially for those of us who haven't grown up in a tradition where language like spiritual warfare or demons or uh, the enemy is harassing me, where this isn't part of our vocabulary. We read Ephesians 6 and we just think, well, you know, it's, that was for its time and its place, but, you know, we know better now. We know a lot better now. 
So we lean into our enlightenment rationalist thinking and say, you know, they used to think that mental illness was caused by demon possession. But now we know that it's not. It's caused by, you know, chemical imbalances or trauma along the way, genetic things. It's, it's not caused by demons anymore. I mean, we know this, right? So, so this all seems to be a bunch of hocus-pocus, a little weird, a little on the margins, a little out there, Paul. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to think. When I was in seminary, I had a missions professor who had served for a long time in Central America, and he would tell us stories in class about spiritual warfare, stories that would make our eyes go wide and make the hair on the back of our necks stand on end, and we would all listen in class and hear these stories, and then we would go out and be like, oh, I'm so glad all the demons are over there in Central America. That's just so great, because, wow, that's some scary business going on down there. Because, you know, it's, it's not like it's here. And when we start to think that, you know, we're like the squirrels around here. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? These squirrels, like, these squirrels are just, they have no awareness of threat, the squirrels at Calvin College. <laughs> they have no idea that there's danger looking around because you can walk right next to them and they're like... <laughs> they just have no awareness of threat at all. And most of the time, this is, you know, not something we give a lot of mental energy to thinking about, but so sometimes I'm here on campus early, early in the morning with my dog, and um, every now and then I'll take her off her lead and let her just run across the commons. She just loved to sprint. And then she'll see a squirrel, right? And the squirrel will see her. And my dog is like... <laughs> and the squirrel's like... The squirrel has no idea that there is a threat bearing down. And you can see my dog's getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, the squirrel goes. And you can see, like, the little balloon with the squirrel square word, like, right there. It's just like, <laughs> right there. The squirrel's like. And then it, and it scrambles out of the tree, and then it yells at my dog. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. When we think there is no threat lurking around, we are like the fat, ignorant squirrels of Calvin College. <laughs> because think about who we are and think about what we do. We have almost 4,000 students, 700 faculty and staff, all of whom are committed to proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every area of life. We want you to understand not just different forms of trigonometry, trigonometry, not just, I can't even say the word, I don't think about it. We don't, we don't want you to just know about music theory. We want you to have a vision of life lived in the kingdom of God. We want you, as all of our marketing materials say, to be agents of renewal, going out there and changing the world for Christ. This is what we want. And here in this place, we give you all kinds of opportunities for discipleship, spiritual growth, worship. We hire people to teach you who are Christians. We don't let non-Christian people teach you here. We have a common shared vision for the kingdom of God. This is who we are here in this place. 
We are Satan's worst nightmare. Don't you think he's going to be a little worried about that? Don't you think he's going to figure out some ways to get at us? Is it any wonder that you all right now in the last week of class are all tired and sleep deprived? Is it any wonder that when push comes to shove and you're depleted that you make bad choices? That when we're tired, all of the things that Paul told us we should turn away from become very appealing? When we're tired and depleted, we start to use bad language, you start to make bad choices about drinking, about sex, about how we're going to be in relationship with each other? Do you think Satan has any interest in you having a good night's sleep? Do you think he has any interest in you eating healthily? So what he does here at Calvin College is he goes around and he tells you a lot of lies. He tells a lot of lies. You can't control your life but you can control how little you eat. Your parents won't tell you how proud they are of you unless your GPA is a 3.8 or higher. You are a hypocrite in the area of Christian faith. That sin that's been bothering you, that's been, don't tell anybody about that because that would be embarrassing. You just keep that to yourself. That's why Paul wrote Ephesians 6. Because he knew that if the people who listened to him, who listened to God speaking through him, actually started to live out the things that he was telling them to live, if they actually started to live like disciples of Jesus Christ, if they actually started to be fired up about things like reconciliation and peacemaking and forgiveness, if they actually started to turn away from sins and pagan worship and all of the things of the Roman Empire that were pulling them back, if they turned toward Jesus and really became children of light, he knew that the enemy would step it up and he wanted them to be ready. So he says, put on the full armor of God. You put on the full armor of God. Now I've asked a friend to help me tonight to demonstrate for you what it looks like if you put on the full armor of God. This is my friend, Joust. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Joust, as you know, is the mascot of Calvin College. Calvin College knights are knight. What you may not know is that in the history of Calvin College, we never chose the name knights. Back in the day, sports writers were referred to us playing against other schools as the Calvinites. The Calvinites played against Alma, the Calvinites played against Aquinas, and one sports writer once upon a time misheard that as Calvin Knights. I'm not kidding. 
And that's how we got this nickname. Now, I have said in conversations with people that I'm not a big fan of the idea of the night. I've said this with Vice President Hoekstra. We have had deep conversations about that. Because I see it as militaristic and male, and you know, there's some history in there, and I really like it. We didn't even choose it, for crying out loud. But tonight, since I'm not going to win a war of changing our mascot name, I'm, I'm coming to understand that now, I'm not going to win that. We're going to redeem the image of the night. All right? We are going to redeem this image. We are going to claim it. We are going to claim it. And so this is what Paul says. He says, you got to look like this. you got to have a helmet of and a shield of and a sword of, breastplate of, belt of, feet. That's yeah, a little longer. <laughs> gospel, proclaiming the gospel. Now, he draws this image from two different places. The obvious place is from Roman soldiers. Everybody who was around then would have seen Roman soldiers walking through Ephesus, walking around their places, a very common image of conquer, a very common image of power, a very common image of success. Rome, as you know, all of you are very smart, you've studied Western Civ, conquered just tons and tons and tons of land, slaughtered everybody that came in their way. They were just all-powerful, everything about them. Yes, thank you, thank you. And so, so Paul says, I want you to be like that. I want you to have that image in your mind. But it's not just from the Gentile image of a Roman soldier. Listen, Isaiah 59 the Lord saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm brought him victory and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in fury as a mantle. Forget the Roman soldier. You do not want to mess with him. So Paul says, you put on the whole armor of God. The idea was in Roman soldier world that everybody had the same armor and everybody's armor worked with the people who were standing next to you. So their shields were actually about four feet high. They were made of wood. They had leather over the front. When they were preparing to go into battle, what they would do was soak their shields in water and then hold them up so any flaming arrows would be extinguished. If you are in your ranks with everybody else who's holding their shield flat against yours and you proceed forward, nothing can stop you because your head is protected, your feet are protected, you're able to just move forward together. The people who were on this side would hold their shields out this way. The people who were on that side would hold their shields to the right. The people who were behind would hold their shields over their heads. And if nobody broke rank, they were able to move forward and conquer whatever stood in their way. This weekend at the soccer game, where I've got to say they came in second. It was great. Joust and I had a great time. We had a lot of fun. One of the things that the team talked about was their motto for the season is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We want to go far. 
as a college, more importantly, as the church of Jesus Christ, we want to go far and we need to go together. All of the language in Ephesians up till now, this body of Christ language, and you're all one, and he's broken down the dividing walls, and he's building you into temple, is that idea that we together go further than any one of us can go by ourselves. Peter says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to see who he's going to eat up. For those of you who watch Discovery Channel, who does the lion go after? The big strong one who's ready to take it? The weak, the old, the young, the ones on the margins, the ones who are all alone. Some of you are trying to live the Christian life all by yourself. There are things in your life you need to confess, you're not doing it. There are areas in life where you could really soar and you're not trying. There are ways in which God is speaking to you and you're not listening. You need to be together. You need to build relationships and be in relationships so that when you're standing side by side together, you go far. The image that Paul gives is not incidental. It's not the first thing that came to his head. It was, I want them to know how strong they are. First, if they're not alone. And second, the fact that it's not them who puts on the armor. This is the armor of God. No Roman soldier could dress himself. Everything was too heavy. It was too hard. You had to have somebody help you put it on. You had to get ready together. It was a team from the very beginning. Paul tells us that we are clothed with Christ's righteousness as a breastplate. We don't put that on. You don't become righteous all by yourself. We talked about that. Works get us nowhere. You're just running on a treadmill thinking that you're going someplace. Doesn't work. Christ's righteousness gets put on you. God saves you. Only God saves you. Your faith along your corporate faith, our faith is our shield. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God is powerful and effective, Hebrews tells us. It's sharp and double-edged. And the boots were only used by soldiers. Other people had little sandals, but the soldiers got boots so that they didn't worry about what they were stepping on and they could just go forward together. So Paul says, God has done this for you. He has saved you. He's given you truth. He's given you righteousness. He's given you faith. He's given you the word. He's given you a mission. God does it. So you don't go alone. It's not up to you. And you do not be afraid. That passage from Isaiah 59 should just send chills down you. That's your God. He is the one who is fighting for you. He is the one who is angry when the enemy comes in and tries to claim ground. And he is the one who will fight for you. Scripture tells us that again and again and again and again. So when we take up the armor of God, we're not doing it in our own merit. We're not doing it of our own strength. And because of that, we do not be afraid. People talk about demon possession and how they're really scared. Like, is that a thing? Could that, could that happen? Of course, yes, yes. 
Right. That's a tool in the devil's toolbox. He can use that. But he knows that if he were to use that at Calvin College, we would all armor up. We would rally. We would rally the troops. We would fast. We would pray. We would claim the name of Jesus. We would cast it out. We do that. That's what we do. When the threat is obvious and real and hurtling toward you, you scramble up a tree. But when the threat is subtle and it's just lie after little lie after little lie until you don't believe it anymore, you have to come back and remember that God is fighting for you. And that proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ casts out demons. They can't stand for it. So use the language that Jesus himself used. Get behind me, Satan. I don't have time for you. I see right through that lie. I'm not interested. When we claim the name of Jesus, when we stand on the promises of God, we have nothing to fear. Nothing at all to fear. Getting a bad grade. You don't have to be afraid of that. That's nothing to fear. Choosing a major your parents won't like. That's nothing to fear in the big scheme of things. If you are obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are seeking the will of God and you are with each other and you are putting on the armor that is of God, you have nothing to fear. Because as we know, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, anything that could hurt us has been beaten. It is done. The battle is over. So we get to live victorious. We get to live as soldiers together, side by side, with our armor on, ready to fight whatever comes, knowing that our God goes before us, victorious through Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks that you are indeed victorious and that in Jesus Christ you made Satan flee. And he tries really hard to harass us, to torment us, to lead us into lies. And so right now we claim the name of Jesus for anybody here who has just been harassed, for anybody who's started to believe the lies. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move in this place, that you will clear out our thinking, and that we will go into these last couple of weeks of the semester knowing that you are fighting for us, relying on your strength and not our own, taking from you the wonderful gift of armor and putting it on with each other. Lord, help us to seek out people so that we don't do this alone. Help us to turn toward you so we don't try to do it all by ourselves. And remind us that we never have to be afraid because you have already won. So open our ears to hear the truth instead of the lies to see the gospel instead of all the distractions. 
to hear you speaking loud and clear. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people say, Amen.